0: Welcome back into another edition of Bearcat Rewind. As it's uh, a holiday edition, so we kind of go off the rails just a little bit. We're joined by uh, Colin McDonough, Northwest Missouri State Assistant AD for Media Relations and a 1998 grad of Northwest. Is that right? That is correct. 1998. Then we also have Joe Quinlan, a Northwest Missouri State Head Strength and Conditioning Coach, a 2000 grad. Right, Joe? Correct. So last year, if you listen to the podcast, um, or if you don't, We kind of came through and had just a very bizarre off-the-rails. We talked about Seinfeld for probably over an hour. Uh, The most pointless hour of podcasting that's been out there. But we had some fun doing it, so we're coming back around this time and staying a little bit more closer to home, uh, talking Northwest Missouri State football and kind of going through uh, some of the greatest players of all time, or at least from the Melchurchma era to now, because um, we're not exactly historians. Colin kind of is, but we don't want to uh, necessarily leave anybody out in the cold that's prior to coach t that's a little bit before our time so we'll get into it here a little bit but first gentlemen i I have to ask um why would you agree to come back again seems a little bit crazy after the way last time went
1: there's no better uh two people i'd run to spend a day with talking bearcat sports bearcat athletics or seinfeld either one
2: yeah i feel like it's just unfinished business from last time just talking seinfeld i feel like there's so many topics we talked about doing some stuff during the season on a drive down to
1: certain games and it's always fun to just discuss. It's not quite the backseat boys, but uh, the, the studio boys works out too. That's right.
0: Well, yes, yeah, so we've had those discussions of there are some lively debates as we drive down to ball games, football, basketball, or any um, car rides at Northwest Missouri State Athletics. And so we toyed with the idea of having a podcast that would also include John Coffey, the voice of the Bearcats, and uh, Ryan Milky who's with Northwest Missouri State in the uh, marketing uh, related since over in athletics so i think it'd be great uh, a lot of fun discussions that we could not actually post so i say we do it well, you're gonna have next to hop week. in the with us sometime. i will
2: <laughs> i will
1: <laughs> Pl- plenty of van rides remain throughout the year
0: next week would be a short one northwest men's basketball plays at home uh, so it'd be a pretty short episode of the podcast um so we mentioned we're going to go through and talk about uh, some of the greatest northwest football players from about 1994 uh through the present uh, but I feel like there's also going to be some like biases brought up, so we'll go ahead and go around and state where you're from, and also uh, what I guess we mentioned what year you graduated ninety eight and two thousand. I graduated in two thousand eleven, so it's all pretty recent. Um, but Colin, a native of Iowa, correct? Uh, yes, Osceola,
1: Iowa. Clark of Osceola, Clark Community High School, ninety four graduate there. Then came down here at the Northwest. Uh, worked on the Missourian for the first oh three and a half four years. Uh, and then joined uh, Andy Sealy in the SID office, helped him. That kind of got me on the SID path. Uh, but covering Bearcat football from '94 through '98 for the Missourian, going from that 0-11 to the to the very end, the 15-0 national championship in uh, in Florence was a fantastic run, and got me hooked on uh, Bearcat athletics and Bearcat football. And it's it's nice to be back. Came back in 2018, so I've got a small gap there between like '98, '99 through about 20. 17 of just watching it from afar and not seeing all the players in action up close uh, as much as they have lately but i, I look forward to this list and uh, working with you two who, who have also seen a few of those years that i'm missing
0: and we almost had a crossover there too because you graduate the f- uh, spring of 94 i went it's kindergarten in the fall of 94 so we were <laughs> right that there. close so close <laughs> joe what about you
2: um from ankeny iowa um was here from 96 to 2000 played football um went to West Virginia for a couple of years. So we came back in December of '03, and my wife, Kelly was a assistant athletic trainer at the time. So I've been back in town. I worked for the city for five years and then I was a full-time strength coach in 2008. So there's a gap there from 2000 to 2003. I know a lot of those guys though. And um, unfortunately they tell me how great they were. And so their biases might play into this a little bit too, because Dave Tallison, Adam Long type that, might have told me stories about how great they were. So.
0: <laughs> All right, and, and I'm from Union Star, Missouri, graduated in uh, 2007, uh, got to Northwest. My first fall was when Northwest went down and uh, lost to Valdosta State in that uh, national championship game, but then won it in 09 when I was in school. I graduated in 2011. I was a sideline reporter um, for Northwest and the Bearcat Radio Network the season of 2010, which ended in Duluth, Minnesota. Went to KQ2 for about five years, one short stint with the St. Joseph Mustangs, and then um, back up with the Bearcat Radio Network and KXCV, W. ever since. So um, plenty of poor opinions and not really knowing what's going on on the field, but I'm not afraid to kind of throw my voice out there and just say what I'm thinking anyway. Um, So... We're going to go through this, um, the criteria for deciding um, the best Northwest players, just so the listeners know, uh, there really isn't. Um, (laughs) And basically, uh, Colin and Joe are kind of going to take a Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith uh, sort of approach, just yelling over each other about um, what they actually believe is right. Does that sound about right, guys?
1: I will be right more often than Joe is right. We'll see. We'll see.
0: What side of the ball do you want to start on? Is there a certain um, position we should decide with, to jump in with?
1: I'd say we go offense first, just to... I do. I, the offensive line has always been a big part. Mm. Uh, Steve Coppinger would tell you that, uh, up and down the uh, the sideline, uh, up and down the now the board of regents. Yeah. Uh, so, offensive line, best way to start it out there.
0: Are you throwing out Steve Coppinger as our first? But unfortunately,
1: list? I would not pick Steve Coppinger you're as not. one of the. I would not.
0: You know, while you're thinking about that, Colin, let's go ahead and let the listeners know that Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clarindahealth.com Joe, you're a former player. You've worked with Northwest Missouri State in the strength and conditioning side and been with all these players. So we'll go ahead and start with you. And I don't know if you guys want to put out one or two apiece or pick the top three or what the criteria actually is because nothing out.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I, have, I just have a list, and I'll, I'll kind of put – just kind of pulled it off the top of my brain where Colin over here, if you see it, visually has rosters. And so I'll, I'll do my best to keep up with him. But um, top three, yeah, it's tough. But And even my thing too, again, where I graduated, I always think that those guys are probably a little better because I get to see them in action a little bit more. But I have Seth Juan, uh, Andy Erpelding from Iowa, downport area. Um, Tanner Owen, and probably... Chad Thompson up there, too. I didn't have any centers on this, which I, you know, a Coppinger and a Matt Nelson and Cole Chevalier. There's some big names there. But um, also right there, I Adam Doral, I mean, obviously he's a coach for um, what he did as a player. And, I mean, playing aside, uh, alongside of him, it was pretty amazing to see some of those things. So some of the ones I'd say are further down on my list that are still great. Shane Smith, uh, Jeremy Davis, and uh, Brett Grosinger from Chillicothe, by the way. So, that's not
1: Iowa. Local guy. That's a really good list from Joe. Um, I would say probably Seth Wand at the top. Never seen him play as a Bearcat. Hurts me a little bit. But when you saw him play in the NFL, and when I saw him come back for the MIAA Hall of Fame, the man was immense. Just the size of Seth Wand was was fantastic. For for the Bearcats to have him on that line, it's hard to believe they even lost a game or two in that stretch when Seth was on the team. You should have seen uh,
2: Kenneth Ebo and Alex Tuttle were on that team too, and they were huge human beings also. So Seth kind of not overshadowed them, but anyway, how about you?
0: So uh, I was also uh, similar to where, so we've had a couple of votes for Seth Wand. I got Seth Wand. Uh, Tanner Owen, who since transferring from Mizzou and coming over, I mean, since he stepped foot on campus, hasn't missed a game. They call him grandpa. He's a little bit slow moving around, but the guy battles through, um, he's been out there hoping to see him get a chance at the next level, potentially as we move toward the NFL draft. Um, also threw up Brett Grosinger, another guy that I got to see play, was an All-American for Northwest, also a Missouri guy, so I had to put him up there. Um, and I'll throw out, uh, Mr. Steve Coppinger as well. Guy that's, uh, also pretty local and still serving Northwest Missouri State, but, um, was right there on a couple national championship teams.
1: I also uh, Ryan Spellhog was here my first couple of years, and he was a two time academic All American. And anytime you're fantastic on the field and in the classroom, uh, I think it certainly puts you up there uh, among the among the best on the line. I don't know about that,
2: but I, I really like Spellhog. He's a great dude.
1: I, I look I look for honors and awards. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for.
2: Okay.
0: So flashy. I thought we were just talking in the field. But. Just trying to see guys mowing over other dudes. Yeah, yeah.
1: As a strength coach, I could see where you would look for on-the-field yeah. attributes. So. Yep. yep. I, I, and also the weight room. Spellhog worked hard in the weight room. I shouldn't. I don't want to take anything away from him. But Was he most, the most athletic and, and talented offensive lineman? No. But I'm just saying, from an academic standpoint, right. that's a nice honor to get. It is very nice. Very nice.
0: Since we're kind of going of go that route, too, and kind of throwing that, hey, just wanted to mention the guy's name. Um, not quite the same streak. But Gabe Bouts was, what, 40-plus starts by the time he got all said and done at the end of this season. The guy also uh, also an entrepreneur in his own time as well with a lawn and landscaping business throughout his college career. Hard worker there.
1: I would have liked to have had both Tanner and Gabe uh, do some more interviews for me. However, they, uh, they always said they were out walking their fish. They, so they were unavailable because right. they were walking the fish. I, know,
0: they're in such great shape, they got to keep their fish the same. It was amazing. Yeah. Got to find a fish like that. Let's move to uh, tight in. What do you think? Colin, we'll go with you this time.
1: Uh, again, a, a player that I didn't see play, but uh, Mike Peterson, being in the M Club Hall of Fame, and uh, I think he had a look in the NFL a little bit, uh, just was a pretty good athlete and also hailed from Atlantic, Iowa. So anytime you hail from Iowa, I think I'm going to put you a little higher on these lists. You just going with one? Uh... Look through your list. Another guy that was kind of quiet. He didn't have a huge career, but I, I thought it was very impactful. Was Steve Comer uh, caught a touchdown pass against Nebraska Omaha in that first playoff game in '96? That was his first ever touchdown catch, and then he also caught a two point conversion in the Carson Newman four overtime game yep. in the third overtime, which allowed Northwest to keep that game going in the third overtime. So even though he, he didn't have a huge career, he had a couple of big catches that are that are very important in, in Bearcat history. He's a long career. He's a Newton Iowa boy too. And then another one. I think Clayton Wilson, even though he wasn't like an All American, but he was signed in the NFL with the with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, it's a player I didn't see play, but again, just accolades uh, signed in the NFL probably was a pretty good Bearcat tight end.
0: All right, Joe, what do you think?
2: I have. Jo- um, I agree with all those. My top one was Josh Baker, transfer from Delaware. He's uh, uh, one of the best athletes I've ever seen. So. His first day here, we were doing punt, pass, and kick, and he threw the ball like 57 yards with his dominant hand and 40-some yards with his non-dominant hand. So that's when I knew he had somebody. But he came in, um, worked hard right away. But Mike Peterson's right there. Uh, The other ones, I had Comer, um, Josh Gannon, Clayton, uh, Marcus Wright, and Marcus Andrews. Marcus Andrews is probably one of the most um, uh, underappreciated, I'd say. I mean, he's kind of just... He did a lot of good things and athletic things when he's here. Uh, did great things in the weight room for me, too. So.
1: And another academic All American, Marcus Andrew. So don't forget that. Yeah. Smart guys out there for the Bearcats.
0: Uh, so I'm also thinking uh, Josh Baker was one I got to see in 2010, uh, my senior year. That's a uh, guy that was tremendous with some big games for Northwest. a second team All American, uh, according to AP, uh, back in 2010. That Texas A&M-Kingsville game, he and Jake Soy took a beating down there, and they kept making catch after catch. I think it was Baker had that game-winning score with just seconds left on the clock, so um, he was big in that. And I think that if the Bearcats have Baker healthy against Duluth, I think he's had some ankle issues, couldn't suit up. If he plays in that one, the Bearcats beat Duluth, win a national championship, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So Baker up there. Um, Got to see Josh Gannon play as well, another local guy from Chillicothe, right? Mm -hmm. Right down the road. Um, And, of course, everybody has to have Mike Peterson on that list if you're thinking Bearcat tight ends. O-line, tight ends down. I say we move on to uh, wide receivers next. Um, You're up first. I'll take this one. Well, I mentioned Jake Soy a moment ago. Yeah. And that pains me because he's a guy from Iowa, and nothing against Iowa, but I'm in the room with a couple of guys that just want to pump up the state of Iowa, even though they come down to Missouri for their place of employment. Soy is to be at the top of the list uh, for me because I kind of got to see him play throughout that uh, that era that I was in school. And just, man, any time you needed a big catch, a big play, he stepped up and made it. Um, man, there was one that I can't remember what game it was. It might have been a homecoming game his junior year, I think, and, and Blake Bowles threw one up um, just before halftime. Uh, uh, Hail Mary, and he somehow pulled that down in the end zone. And, yeah, big game after big game, an All-American for Northwest, so Jake soy at the top. Uh, Tony Miles, obviously, with those late 90s teams, um, was great for the Bearcats. Jamaica Rector, another Texas guy. And Sean Bain, I think, is one that would be uh, near the top of every receiving category had he not got injured there and, and tore his ACL pretty early in his career. But he was another great one to come through Northwest Missouri State.
2: Yeah.
1: Is, have, is there a really good debate, Jake Soy or Tony Miles? Is it just because of who you saw, who yes. you were? I mean, I. In my mind, it was always tough to beat Tony Miles. Just electric play. Whenever he touched the ball, it always felt like it could go for a score. If it was a punt return, a kick return, uh, either on a handoff or even even on the passing game, Tony Miles was just electric.
2: Yeah. I had Tony as my top just because I played with him and just he, uh, he did everything well and made some huge plays. Championship games, but also, yeah, regular season, kickoffs, punts every time i don't know he was just amazing so and,
0: and tony you're kind of do it all guy with the speed and could just break anything he needed to throw throwing up to the back of the end zone i feel like the size and i don't i don't never have to see tony play see him go up for a jump ball but again fourth and four 2009 national championship game only up by 3 and uh, coach T goes for it and Blake Bowles tosses it up jake Soy catches it into the end zone and bam framed on my basement wall down it's an amazing yeah. play for Northwest. So. It's a big
2: one. And that's why I have Soy. Soy was huge. And that's why even in that game in Grand, Grand Valley, they know where it was going, and they still couldn't stop it. But he played through a lot of injuries, too. I thought Jake was great. Some of the other ones, I had obviously, Jamaican and Andre Rector, I thought they were both great. Those were kind of that time frame that I was out of here, but I saw them when they were younger. Um, Iowa boy Randy Schmidt, we talked about him. He did some great things. Put probably up there just because he's more Iowa boy. But I think more recent, even this year, I think Tatum, Alec Tatum was possession receiver wise, gets open to a lot of things right. Um, I think if you ask Braden Wright, I mean, he's a guy that you look for a lot of times. And we had a great receiving core this year. But I think Tatum is one that just over the last few years we just kind of taken for granted because he made a lot of huge catches for us. So um, some of the other ones I have, Bryce Young from Chillicothe, too. And Bryce is always a big. Kind of a tatum type, um, I have Tyler
1: Shaw on there, also, so those are some that came to mind. I was going to add Tyler Shaw. he just he went into the m club a couple of years ago, uh, seemed like a pretty good track athlete as well uh, turned it also turned it up on the football field, um,
0: also a media major came through Wells Hall.
1: And having uh, Bryce Young just on Bearcat Rewind uh, not too long ago. it's nice to hear that uh, hear that interview with him, a Chillicothe native.
0: Yeah, that one's archived. If anybody missed it, go back and check it out. Also very charismatic guy. Yeah, good interview, too.
1: Seemed like you and him had a very good uh, rapport. Is that just based from?
0: So I was working at KQ2 covering the Bearcats when he was, like, going from high school into college and kind of that whole career. And so we talked a lot. And He's just, yeah, a guy that's very open anyway, so he's very easy to talk to and
1: just kind of. There have been a lot of Bearcat Rewind interviews that I've listened to, and that certainly was one of the best. Just rapport between the uh, interviewee, interviewer. It was just back and forth. It was very conversational. So nice job on that one. I don't say that very often to you, Matt, but uh, that that was one of the uh, usually
0: very critical. Uh, That was very good. Better than the Seinfeld episode last year. Close. All right, let's go uh, running backs. This is probably a pretty easy one. I think when you pick your your top one overall. Actually, I had a note here. Before we get to that point, we'll rewind real quick since we talked about receivers. Greatest catch in Northwest history.
1: To me, it's Ryan George dragging a toe in the back of the end zone to force uh, overtime in the 99 championship game. Just It was a one-pattern route. Uh, they had gone with a tight formation. Travis Miles dropped back, threw a fade into the corner. I still don't know how Ryan drug a foot, caught the ball, but he did it all at once, and it's, it's an amazing photo. I think Kansas City Star had a great photo of it from the day. If he doesn't make that catch, there's obviously no overtimes. There's no national championship run. I mean, that's a pretty big catch. Yeah.
2: I mean, we talked about Jake's catch against Green Valley, but I think even Jesse Haynes uh, at UNO. I mean, those are one of those, the playoffs, just to start us rolling. Some of those, if you lose that game, um, it's a big thing. So I'd say, I mean, all three of those are huge. Those are the ones that kind of come to mind at least, so.
0: George was the first one I wrote down there, too, so I have to agree. Um, all right, running back, Colin, what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would say Xavier Oman. Don't use
0: that blind spot What's
1: when that? you weren't here. I didn't see Xyz. him play. I, I mean, I saw some highlights on ESPN. I saw some some big numbers in the record book. Uh, but if if it's a person that I've seen actually play, uh, Jesse Haynes was phenomenal. Uh, and, and I only saw him play for the really the one year in 96, but he carried that 96 team. Uh, just on the ground, and uh, just an amazing athlete, an amazing story to, to turn his life around. Uh, he was struggling, I think, in, early on in college, uh, kind of left for a little bit. Uh, Coach T got him back in, got him squared away. I think Russ Northup played a, a key factor in that one too, but Jesse Haynes uh, was, was the best running back that, that I saw at the time. Uh, this year, seeing Al McKellar run as he ran over guys and, and just bowled him over was pretty fantastic. Just finished third in the in the Harlan Hill Trophy. Uh, but again, seeing the highlights, seeing the numbers, I, I'm not sure there's a better running back than Xavier Oman.
2: Yeah, I have, you know, that was my window of being gone too. But I, I came back, you know, and saw him. Uh, well, I guess I was here. I wasn't a part of Northwest coaching staff at the time, but he did some amazing things. I have Jesse Haynes up there just because I played against him. I was a, a, a walk on, on the scout team, and Jesse would run hard during practice, and it was uh, very scary. I learned a lot that year. But uh, Jesse's there. I, I, I think some even guys around my age. I uh, have Dave Jansen. from. Uh, he just did a lot of great things, and obviously for as a teammate um, did some amazing things there. And a couple, obviously McKellar and Rankin and Caldwell were here a short time, but all three of those guys were pretty amazing. Um, but Laron Council, I I've really, I really like Laron. He's done a lot for um, some of our former athletes that might need help. I've reached out to Laron to just um, be able to talk to people too. So just as a human, I've really liked Laron for what he's done uh, for a lot of our players currently. Um, but I know there's a lot there. But I also have uh, Billy Creason did a lot of things right, um, just on and off the field too. So. Those are just tailbacks. I have fullback lists, too, but I don't know. I can <laughs> talk no fullbacks out, too, while you're at it. Uh, Tucker Woolsey, and I, I put Jordan Grove in that list. Um, I name even Kurt Lesman signed with the what, the Falcons for a bit, and he was more of a lineman, but you kind of put him there. Um, but Tucker and some of those, you know, having to play him in practice, too, there's some of those things that kind of still stand out. He wasn't a, afraid to put his helmet down and make a hole for them any of the running backs how do you try to stop a bowling ball that's coming at you like tucker wolsey he didn't he just tried to just make a pile just trying not to keep your head from getting rung so
0: <laughs> so i was trying to figure out jordan grove had a, a very big impact when he was here but doesn't have quite the rushing totals like you throw him in the top three or four and it was kind of hard to figure out so yeah. uh, good to throw his name out while we're at it of course xavier oman um, at the top, I was in the stands whenever he had that ninety-eight yarder against Grand Valley State, which was phenomenal. And got to see a lot of a lot of his games throughout, and um, a lot of fun to watch Xavier. Laurent Council also on my list, um, which had some big plays. We talked about the Jake Soy pass that the touchdown that led for uh, Northwest to end up sealing that win over Grand Valley State. But prior to that, it was like what third and twenty-one, and somehow Laurent was shifting, picked up like seventeen yards on a dump off, and set up that fourth and four, um, and then. Al is a guy also had up there pretty high when you got him named as a Harlan Hill finalist and finishing top three, so um, had a lot of good running backs coming through.
1: I had two more. They're both from the state of Iowa, and I want to make sure we got them in there, but uh, they were very integral in turning Bearcat football around. Uh, Derek Lane from Atlantic, uh, and then David Jansen. We called him the igniter uh, from Sioux Center, Iowa. He was the all-time leading rusher when his career ended for the Bearcats. So, I, again, Dave Jansen, Played in your era, Joe? Yeah, I right him on up there. my list were you listening? Right. I would maybe not. Maybe I, I zoned like out for now. But no, yeah, Dave
2: was is a great running back.
0: And then, uh, since we're gonna go throw that out there too, uh, Jordan Simmons is a Missouri guy, mm-hmm. kind of a joystick out there and a good all-around player there for Northwest and um, some some all MIAA athletes there too. Over at it. All right, we've got kind of to figure out the rest of the backfield. We're down to just quarterbacks, um, from what I can tell. Not a ton from Iowa to be represented. Maybe a little bit. One. Just
1: one that I can really gather. Same here. Some guy named Osborne. Joel Osborne was a pretty good quarterback. He's
0: been a, he's, he had an all right time here, right? Outside of that, that's the only Iowa I have on my list. Um, Chris Gryson had a pretty decent career for Northwest Missouri State, and then on into the NFL, of course. I'm sure, Joe, you probably have a little bit more to add on Chris, but uh, Blake Bowles was phenomenal for Northwest Missouri State, and Trevor Adams, uh, you know, coming in from, uh, what, Permian down in Texas and had a lot on his shoulders, a lot of expectations as a young guy. Maybe had a couple years where he was really good, but fans didn't think he was as good as he should have been. But then his senior year just kind of blew up. Led the uh, nation in pass efficiency and it didn't seem like there was any third down and long he couldn't convert. And he was throwing to guys like Bryce Young out there too, who we mentioned earlier. So um, that's kind of my list. And of course, Joel Osborne, I think the only Bearcat starting quarterback to start two national championship games.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I don't know how you break down who the best quarterback in, in Bearcat history. There's just so many. And so many that, that, I mean, Travis Miles, quarterback two, quarterback one national title. Chris Gryson had one of them. Um, I, I mean, I don't, John McMiniman I thought was pretty good. Uh, Lamberson put up huge numbers. Both the Bulls put up huge numbers. And David Thrillz
0: Zimmerman, who was fantastic in his one year starting. Even Greg
1: Teal was a quarterback when I got here, and I, at the time, I was thinking, oh, maybe Grayson's better. But Greg Teal did a fantastic job uh, in going – the team went 0-11, then to 6-5, and and then into the playoffs that first year and, and a win at Omaha. He threw that pass to Jesse. Uh, I mean, Greg Teal's career kind of gets overshadowed. But he had a great career.
0: Yeah. And he probably had, like – not to say it's been easy for any of these guys. That's kind of a tougher road to hoe when you're going from helping Coach T turn that team around from winless to, to playoffs a few years later.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing for Greg for – being young on that team I was a red shirt his senior year um is that right the next year so I was on his team for two years but just great leader and then even with him and Gryson being on the same roster it's just one of those it's it's kind of interesting dynamic there but I, I had Greg up on my list too Gryson I had up there I uh, just obviously get to play with him but also take you know winning that first national championship but the Bowles brothers, I hate to put them together, but I'm not going to choose between them because if they hear this, they'll probably be mad at me. But um, both of them did amazing things, and just even the co- competitiveness between those guys um, just continue to try to get better and continue to improve to lead the team. So Trevor Adams um, and Josh Lamberson I have on there too, and then, of course, Osborne. Being from Iowa, we had to put him on there. One, um, And it's not, you know, I'm not saying they're, up there, but Blake Christopher, when he, he, for the first four or five games of his senior, he's the one that kind of stuck it out. He was leading the country in like pass efficiency and then he got injured, injured his hand. And then, um, but some of those, you know, kind of crazy to say, you know, those guys, cause, and also seeing people now, uh, Braden Wright does a lot of good things leadership wise for me that I've really enjoyed. Um, but it's kind of tough to put him up against all these guys. But Gryson's my number one um, for just kind of going leading that way. So.
1: I still remember in '96, a playoff game out of Northern Colorado. Teal was the quarterback, and he got hurt. And they were like, all right, we've got to put in this Gryson guy. It's like, is this going to work out? And I think we got the answer pretty quick uh, from that standpoint of things that Gryson was ready, and, and the Bearcats were ready to continue that rise up. So he was, he was okay. What are saying? He was doing all right. I was worried when, when Teal got here. I was like, I don't know. Is Grayson, is he ready yet? No, oh, he was well, more than ready. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. We wrapped up offense. pretty stellar uh, group of guys here. Uh, not too many from the state of Iowa, but other than that, I mean, you guys did a nice job. Uh, we slide to the defensive side of the football. Uh, the defensive line has been stacked for years for Northwest. So This one uh, could be kind of hard to narrow down to three or four guys. So. Um, since it will be difficult, we're going to start with Joe um, to throw his out there for us. Yeah, do
2: you want DNs or D-tackles? Or I just or lumped our, everybody together. Okay. You can you can separate it how you want. I, yeah, there there's some – and th- this is where I did talk to Rich. I said I was going to do this about three weeks ago, and he kind of threw some names at me, but they're on my list, no doubt. But the um, DNs, and that's why nowadays they've kind of shifted D-tackle and DN, but I'll lump them all together. But DN-wise, I mean, Longacre – Matt Longacre and Colin Bevins are, and Dave Tolleson. I mean, those three are pretty crazy. And then, right behind them, I have Cass Weidel and Sean Paddock, which is, they're both from Iowa, by the way. Carol Kemper is where Cass is from. Uh, Paddock's from Bettendorf. Um, but then you look at—I mean, I don't know if you put Sam Roberts as a D tackle or as a D end. Um, but you know, then further down the list, one of the best athletes I've ever seen physically. Alan Buckwalder, um, the tight end transfer to kind of flip to the other side, to the D-end side. And that happened a lot because like a Austin Eskew was another one that went from tight end to D-end. But both of them made big impacts when they changed that side of the ball. I'm not saying they're the top ones in those positions, but at least impact-wise they came over and were very athletic and very successful. D-tackle-wise, Aaron Becker, I mean, when I was here, was um, a man. I mean, he – he just basically, I just don't remember, his goal was not to be blocked one-on-one. Basically, he had to demand a double team, which made, as a linebacker, a lot easier. Um, but Brandon Yost, Josh and Brandon Yost, I think, is very overlooked um, for how good he was. He was big and strong and was in the middle of that D-line for a long time. And then, even right now, Zach Howard, I know he's kind of flipping out to the D-end at times, but he's one that's just been there for so long. I always thought he was a senior this year until senior day. That's how great a coach I am that I pay attention to that, but he's taking advantage and coming back next year. But those guys, uh, all of them are great, but Oh, Colin Bevins is an Iowa boy too. I didn't say that. So, um, but some really good dudes there too,
1: but also great Bearcat athletes. There wasn't a name on there that Joe said that I wouldn't have on my list. So I'm just going to add something that he did not say. Uh, one was back in, a couple of them were back in his day. Uh, Matt Udy was an AP All American on the, on the D line, uh, 96, first team all conference, Cedar Rapids Jefferson guy. Uh, and Matt Vogie, uh, also on that D line with, uh, with Buck Walter and those guys, just a phenomenal. That defensive line back in the day was incredible, 96, 97, 98. Fantastic. Uh, and then Spencer Phillips was the defensive player of the year in the league uh, in 19. I would certainly add him in, into that list. Uh, had a very good career for the Bearcats.
0: Yeah, you guys kind of. Yeah, ran the table there. That was, that was pretty good. Um, took everything I had. I mentioned Sam Roberts. Also on my list is uh, from Missouri and is up for the Cliff Harris Award. It was actually recently announced
1: yesterday. It was announced yesterday. It may have come out Saturday, but we try to move some uh, information and news along so it doesn't all get uh, lumped into one day. So I'm trying to spread it out a little bit.
0: Um, we had some other things going on Saturday, too. I was pretty focused on beating Griffins, you know. Um, and yeah, I was actually thinking I should have named Austin S. Q. in the tight end since he came in as a tight end, like you mentioned, a Lawson Missouri guy, and um, shit to do the de- defensive line became a all uh, All American, first team All MIAA oh. guy too. So, all right, I don't think it gets easier with linebackers either because mm-hmm. it feels like Northwest Missouri State is stacked when you kind of go through and look at the depth that we've seen at linebacker over the years. Um, Colin will throw it to you to start off for some linebackers.
1: Uh Again, I didn't see him play. Uh, DJ Nader uh, passed away in the last couple of years. Very, very sad for Bearcat fans to, to, to have that information and have that happen to DJ. But he, one of the best tacklers it looked like in Bearcat history. Uh, a, a player that was back in my day was Dante Combs, uh, a linebacker from Kansas City area, it was fantastic, uh, even though the teams, obviously, at that time were not as good as they were working their way up. Uh, uh, even a guy like Greg Bonnet was on those national title teams. Very good linebacker, not not the best, but uh, but an Iowa kid from Prairie City, Monroe. Uh, but Troy Tisdall, I think, is, is up there. He was an academic All American. Uh, had a, had a very good career. Um, otherwise, at linebacker, I wanted to say Joe Quinlan, but I, I don't think it really mm-hmm. happened at linebacker for Joe. He's more of a special teamer.
2: Yeah, that's what I would say too.
1: But uh, Chad Bostick and I, I don't well, Many folks don't know this, but there's TVs on in the, in our hallways. And one of them is always playing national title games. And I was walking past Chad Postrick's office the other day, and Joe Quinlan made a tackle. And we both kind of looked at him. And I was like, Joe Quinlan made a tackle in a national title game. I was like, that was big time. I made so. one, I think, yep. yeah. and we watched it happen again. So. That's
2: on repeat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in the end, you made a whole lot of tackles, is what you're saying. Yeah.
2: If you'd, if you'd go by that TV, you'd think I was an All-American, but no.
1: I, I think you two will have some better linebacker lists, and I, I just haven't seen enough... Uh, I think there's a big enough gap there for me to have missed out on, on, on quite a few good names yeah, too. There's some, there's some good ones.
0: I think there have been some, some very big ones that stick out in my mind here in, in recent years. Um, when you go through, you mentioned DJ Nader, a guy that flew all over the field. Looked like more of a safety when he's on the field. He wasn't a big guy, but goodness, he could step up and, and fill a gap. Um, Chad Kilgore was another one that uh, fly sideline to sideline was a really good linebacker there for Northwest and All American for the Bearcats. Um, Jacob Volstadt might be one of the best all-time to watch Jacob play. He was a whole lot of fun. He was like, you look at like a guy that looks like Joe, but then like put some wheels on him, and that yeah. was like
2: Jake Volstadt. Jake was Iowa City Regina also, just so you know, Iowa boy.
0: And then uh, Willie Horn from the Kansas City, Missouri area um, also had some big plays for the Bearcats, won a national championship in '09, And then Chad Boston was a walk-on. That earned a starting spot and, and earned everything he w- he had here at Northwest Missouri State. What was it against Pitt State one year? He played with like a broken elbow or he something dislocated. out there. yeah, I dislocated at the year, The <laughs> day prior or week prior. So yeah, so I don't know if he's crazy <laughs> or what, or just tough. But uh I have to throw, Chad mentioned out there too.
2: Yeah, I have a full. This is obviously my position. I and obviously being under Coach Boswick, you know Scott Boswick for so long. There's just been so many. I think Chad Kilgore is my number one. I just saw that kid. Um, come in and, I mean, kind of took his red shirt and he kind of came in did special teams and just grew from there. But I had Dante Combs as two. Uh, Dante was two-time captain when I was playing and just a uh, good leader that way, um, but did a lot of great things on the field, no doubt. So third one, I hasn't been brought up, but Jared um wasn't the most athletic kid, but as far as MIAA Defensive Player of the Year, uh, his senior year, but just tough and did everything right I feel. But I ha- I mean Brian Williams, Jake Volstead are up there and I have a list of other guys, but Ben Harness is one I think is extremely overlooked. Played a lot and played through a lot of injuries in just uh long. I mean he was there with what Long and Tisdale and <laughs> there's some been some good groups there. But even you know, my senior year it was Brian Williams and then Wes Simmons and uh, myself, and it it's just easy to learn from those guys when you're out there playing with them. More recent, uh, well, back then, too, Aaron Crow <laughs> is uh He was a great linebacker, um, and I'd say he's probably in my top five just because he was an upperclassman and really taught me a lot that way. But more recent guys that I think kind of get overlooked, um, even Jackson Barnes. I mean, he was sideline to sideline, I and mean, you're following a Volstead type, you know, it's tough to live up to that. But Eric Reimer and Ben Altoff um, were both great linebackers, too. So I know it's a long list, but uh, I think there's been some great ones. Thomas Smith was also a transfer, was in Northern Colorado, uh, came in for a year or two, um, kind of did some great things, too. So I don't know if I listed off all of them there, but.
1: It's always it's nice good. to transfer from Northern Colorado eventually to Northwest Missouri State. It, it works right. out well for a lot of people. Yes. So you're saying you should start at Northern Colorado? I think you should start at northwest Missouri and then go to northern Colorado and then come back. I think that would work out. Okay. Hey
0: worked for you, right?
1: <laughs> and a guy named Mike Johnson as well worked out for him too. So that's
0: true. There you go. Old KXC here, Mike Johnson. All right, we're in the secondary. Uh Joe, I'm sure you'd lump you like separated this, you know, maybe safeties and corners. I'm just gonna say defensive backs as a whole right now. So okay. um calling him to let you go ahead and dive in and uh I mean, Joe, if you want to dive in and start us off with our secondary.
2: Yeah, and so I kind of make this a shorter list. There's just some really guys that just stood out to me as leaders. And um, I've had conversations with some of these guys about previous guys that are on the list. But I have uh, safety-wise, Miles Burnside is up there. I don't know him. And Miles when he was playing, would always ask me who's the best safety. And I would say Dave Carlson from Neola, Iowa. But Dave was just smart and big and um, in the right spot a lot um, in that uh, 90, 98 championship because of the fumble, which um, I was lucky enough to recover. But some of those were just a smart, physical, tough kid because he was back there with Brian Sutton, which was a very good you know safety for us too. Um, and then I have uh, Kevin Berg as my third. Kevin was uh walk-on. And um just continued to get better, but it was a great leader um on those teams. So that's my safety side of it. There's some, you know, other ones that are great, but uh cornerback side, uh Brandon Dixon, um Tuan Young and Ryan Jones are my top three, but man, you get some of those guys from especially the years that I wasn't here like that six, seven, eight years, um they had some real big physical um cornerbacks but um, they're not up there with what I'd say the top three but Ryan Jones was pound for pound one of the strongest guys we've ever had um, and could he moved well and uh, did a lot of things well in the weight room too so those kind of stand out but I don't know if I, I mentioned Brian Dixon and Bryce Enyard and Ed Ritchie. Ed Ritchie was a big physical specimen too that uh, kind of was safety and cornerback so for you guys it makes it easier to lump those guys together <laughs> but I'd say those are my top um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing, Tuan was, especially at the time, was kind of our lockdown corner that was kind of one of those first guys that really made our defense uh, go back in the day. So. so unfortunately, I didn't see Tuan Young
0: play. Um, but for the most part, uh, the rest of those guys kind of had listed. Um, Kevin Berg down, but I kind of put him and Jack Young as a package deal because those guys in the back end at safety were uh, phenomenal for Northwest in both, both 2015 and 2016. Um, and two of the best defenses Northwest Missouri State's ever had, which we can cross that bridge uh, here in just a little bit and ask Joe the question of who the best defense actually is. Um, also, I had Ryan Jones listed here. He came through when I was in school as well and got to see Ryan play. Um, Brandon Dixon, but you can also kind of say Brandon and Brian and lump those two together and, and both um, had some stints there in the NFL. Miles Burnside's a, you know, Maryville, Missouri guy, hometown, came up, an All-American um, I believe won the Ken B. Jones Award, yeah. which went to a guy that was a phenomenal athlete but also uh, great in the classroom as well. So check marks the boc- uh, box there for you, Colin. Uh, and so those are the big guys I had for Northwest Missouri State in the secondary.
1: The only name that I didn't hear was uh, Nate DeJong. Was was Nate, a pretty good hey, player. Yeah, I'm yeah. just looking at his. I mean, he's an AP All-American, an academic All-American, uh, a lot of picks. Uh, just happened to also be from Rock Rapids, Iowa. So mm-hmm.
2: Way up there in the corner, barely in the state. He's a chiropractor now, by the
1: way. He's come down. I do remember David Carlson when, when you said he was one of the harder hitters, but also one of the nicer guys, too. It's just a, You wouldn't seem like he was going to be a, a fierce guy on the field, but once he got on the field, yeah. just attacked him. Yep. Old Aggie.
2: Was it Tri-Center over there, Neola?
0: Or All right, so that kind of takes care of our, our defensive side of the football. Um, we still have some specialists here, punter, kicker. Long snapper, if you'd like to venture that route, uh, Joe. I think you did the homework for this, so I'll, I'll let you kind of go ahead and just throw out your specialists. <laughs>
2: um, I think it's challenging. I, I think I know Collins told me his, but I, my fav- my not favorite, but best punter for us that I feel is uh, Jeff LeBlanc. I mean, he was there. Um, we had a safety against Pitt State one of those years, and he they had a free kick, and he kicked the ball like it was like seventy yards or something in the air. It was ridiculous, but uh, but just was a good. Um, directional punter and he um I saw his name on the wall. I think he, he donated for a, the locker room too kind of brings up, but he was great he'd always he cooked us gumbo one night it was very good um, kicker wise simon Matison um and david Parnell i don't know if other than Xavier Oman, I think he was the leading scorer until Xavier scored all those touchdowns but in those the you know the championship years early championship years the ninety eight ninety nine uh, Dave is a huge part of that, especially with some of those um, field goals and PATs. So, those are my three. I mean,
1: I don't know. I don't. Do Dave get? played a big role in that. I mean, he missed those field goals. So he had one missed and one block, so that, that turned it into the four overtime game. Yeah. If he makes it, it's just, it's not as great a game right now. So, even though he made a lot of kicks, I, I do remember him missing the the one in the first overtime and then they blocked the second one. But there really wasn't any scoring in those first two overtimes no. that turned into a great overtime game. But I don't want that to be the, the label of Dave Purnell's career was a miss and a, and a block. He kind
0: of just put it so on a but Not really. He just brought it up, I and know. it just kind
1: of happened. uh as far as the punter goes, it looked like Kyle Goodburn. Uh, some really some long averages. I mean, it, when you're punting the ball, I think I think you want to get that average. You don't want it to be too far where you outkick the coverage. But it looked like Goodburn had it, had a pretty good career for the Bearcats as well.
2: He was always great. He was number four. That was my number two. So we have a special thing there. But you know, Kyle was great. Any others you want to throw out?
1: Uh, I just had uh, a punter. He, you mentioned him, Shane Gladwin. He was a Cedar Rapids Kennedy guy, uh, and then uh, a long snapper michael sorfenden was a harlan guy a uh, recent graduate uh, when i first got here michael did a nice job for us in that in that role he did, the long snappers never get a whole lot of love and i thought michael did a nice job and uh, stayed in touch a little bit too so it's
0: good it's one of those you really don't hear about until like the snap goes over the guy's head and then it's like oh, man that long snapper
1: and there, there was one kicker uh he was a little bit uh, i think it was around 2000 uh andy timmerman he was from corning iowa uh background a little bit with Andy. Uh, I actually played tennis against him in high school. Uh my brother and I would play against his brother on uh, the Clark uh, Corning matchups and Clark usually got the better of those. So it was nice to uh, l- remind Andy of that once in a while in college too. <laughs> all
2: right. All right. One of the other kickers, uh, Luis Ber- Berlenga.
1: Do you remember that name? I do remember that. I don't that know name. where
2: that came like it, 2002
1: I think was about the only year he kicked one. Yeah,
2: he's a good kicker too. We had some we always had some good kickers.
1: So I have uh
0: Michael Stadler as the punter from Harrisonville, Missouri, uh, got to see him come through when I was here, and he's he's a uh, you know top ten in Northwest Missouri State uh, all time. I think it was in the he's got some single season and some uh, maybe career punting records here at Northwest. Um, Todd Adolf, as far as place kickers go, he had some big kicks for the Bearcats, including what in 2010 beating UCM in Warrensburg, a walk off kick there for Northwest. Uh, Tommy Freevert, um, a little bit earlier than that, had a big leg for the Bearcats, did very well in arena football, I believe was also uh, an Oakland Raiders fan. And then Simon Matiesen, um, who Joe mentioned, was um, phenomenal. Just, I think the only time I ever saw Simon miss a kick, which would just have been an extra point. And I know he missed a couple throughout his career, but an extra point after that crazy game Pittsburgh State, 69-10 to win at the end of the first half. Kevin Burke gets the interception, all the, the laterals and everything, and the Bearcats take it back. They get the flag for going onto the field. And then I think the excitement got the Simon a little bit, missed that extra point, but didn't miss another the rest of the season. So a pretty good uh, kicker there for the Bearcats. Um, all right, so we've gone top to bottom. We've gone position by position. Um, Joe, we talked about it, kind of joked earlier about the best defense of all time, 15-16, but... Can you kind of pinpoint and uh, make some people mad and say who oh, the best oh, is? Oh boy!
2: Uh, did you want to touch on that?
1: That's I. I, I think that that one's a little before my time here, so I, yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to to make that selection yeah. this time.
0: It
2: felt like regardless
0: of who they were playing, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, offense was clicking, defense was shut. I mean, they could have played Alabama in the championship game and been like, "Yeah, I think the Bearcats can take this one." I yeah. mean, that team, those both of
2: those teams were machines. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the linemen and linebackers on those teams. It's just, like, unbelievable. And I, I think this is the one thing, like, with Kevin Berg, you always talk about, you know, he got a lot of accolades and stuff, but he'd be the first to tell you when you have a D-line like that and the linebackers like that, you don't have to cover very long. <laughs> so it made things a lot easier. Um, yeah, I'm our 2000 defense, you know, and even the 99, I think our 99 defense, we had some really good dudes on there that, all around for a Scott Basuk era. but even the team's the like we talked about with b 708 those type of years where we had a couple NFL linemen on those uh linemen then we had like Harness and Tisdale and Adam Long and some heck of good athletes in the secondary even though we didn't win i mean it, i feel like if with certain injuries those years some of the best top to bottom i don't want to tell that to tolson or long because i know i'll get a text message about that but from top to bottom there's some you know amazing amazing teams there too so but i think the 16 i mean just a lot of great athletes out there and um yeah the margins and but just by kind of the age of those guys
1: too they kind of matured together and just played so well together so I don't. I mean, if you just look at numbers, like a fifteen, sixteen, just the, the limited amount of yards given up, the limited amount of points. Uh, the, those teams in the late nineties gave up some points, gave up some yards. It wasn't as dominant. Uh, I mean, we we're still winning games until and, and fifteen and zero, but a fifteen and zero in twenty fifteen sixteen seemed even a little different than fifteen and zero in, in ninety eight too. So, just from a defensive standpoint, yeah. uh, I, I think those later teams were, were probably a little better.
0: All right, uh, best athlete through northwest Missouri State I know you kind of jotted down a few names Joe
2: yeah um some of the ones we haven't talked about I mean we talked about your um Josh Baker Alan Buckwalders some that I didn't have Marcus Martin John Hinchie, and even now Trayvon Alexander is a heck of an athlete um but there's some guys that were just phenomenal Ryan Jones we talked about earlier too but just as followers. as Pure athleticism, there's some guys there that were pretty awesome. Colin Bevins is in that list, too, because, I mean, he was, a, I think, a 100-meter, I don't know if he was a 100-meter state champ um, his senior year, but he was up there. Um, at least he was in the finals that year. So uh, those guys, I, I weight room-wise and on the field-wise, just some guys that could were very special physically. Um, and I know I'm probably missing a lot, but those ones I jotted down earlier. So. And Tyler Shaw
0: is one that you said earlier too, but mm-hmm. you know, I just call him a track and field guy, in M Club Hall of Famer, and um, probably as fast with pads on as he was out running track. I mean, he was he was lightning quick.
1: I don't know if I could specifically say who, who who belongs on the list, but I could tell you who who does not belong on that list, and it's Steve Coppinger. Yeah, I'd yeah.
2: say. <laughs> <laughs> There's I don't want to say the worst athletes, but I have a list there, but I'm not going to say any of those people too. But no. <laughs>
0: Save that when the mic is off. Yeah.
2: All
0: right, and so you have got to see them also coming up, um, going from, you know, chubby freshman coming in to um, pretty impressive specimens as, as seniors. Best story, best guy to come through that uh, kind of has overcome quite a bit.
2: And I would say overcome, but I feel just have come a long way. Sam Roberts is one that he was—he a, was a very good, fast, explosive kid when he was younger. But we look—we take pictures now of when they come in, and from where he <laughs> was, he asked me to pull it up and show him earlier. But him, from where he was to where he is now, is uh, pretty impressive. I think Cass Widle is one that, um, you know, add to, added to his frame, kind of got over that hump, that kind of finally add weight and did some amazing things, but. That's one I didn't really do much research on, but Cass was the one that always weight room wise those are the guys we recruit. We kind of recruit those longer guys now and try to hopefully fill them out um, and get them bigger by the time they're seniors just because you know sometimes you know if you get a big kid, they don't move specifically very well now we're trying to get a frame and try to add to it so Cass was probably the first one that really stood out to me as a coach um, but I know there's other guys that did well from the progressive part but
0: well, and he, I mean, throw Kyle Zimmerman in that, too, mm-hmm. as far as a guy that had to sit there and, and sit behind Brady Bulls, your starting quarterback, and kind of bide your time. And when we'd see him out there, for the most part, it was back in shotgun and hand it off or run it himself. And so when it was Kyle's turn to step up, you're like, can this kid throw the ball? Can he handle this? I mean, this was his first time getting out here starting in front of these MIAA defenses, and bam, I mean, he was amazing yeah. out there and then even put him up there in that uh, national championship game in the snow in 2016. Still made some good passes. Randy Schmidt pulled down a phenomenal one for him there on the sideline at one point uh, but Kyle is one that I don't think it's easy necessarily to step in and be a starting college quarterback And he, he but he knew Coach Doral's offense and he kind of just took off and ran with it and led the Bearcats to a 15-0 title there in 16. Yeah. Colton, any names you want to throw out or on it? I will pass on this one. Alright what well, do you guys have anything else you want to touch on before we we talk about best
2: stories well, there's a couple guys i think in just um obviously abe quad i mean he um coming off of a fire and all the burns and stuff there's a couple big ones there but coming back in playing i think that was one of the best story of kind of what happened to certain kids um Josh Lamberson was one when he dislocated his hip, came back and played. Obviously, that injury is very tough. I think it's the same one Bo Jackson had his career injury for him. But then uh, Josh came back that next year and played. Um, very, very amazing athlete already, but coming off of that was tough. DJ Nader was in the same boat with that too, coming back off of that same type of injury uh, too. And then Cole Forney, after the car accident, uh, came back and uh, played his senior year. He's you know didn't do as well as he hoped, obviously, but to have that major of an accident and come back and play, because that was January 17th. I still remember that. And he still came around and played that next year um, because that's my daughter's birthday. So (laughs) that's how I remember that. But Cole coming off of that and uh, fighting through a
1: lot of the issues and
2: playing um, was pretty amazing to see.
1: I just just Braden right this past year, knowing that he played that first game, uh, then we lost him uh, out for a while. I didn't know when he'd be back if he'd be back. Uh, Mike Holes, he gets hurt. Braden slips right back in those playoff games was phenomenal. Uh, did a great job. It put up some big numbers uh, throughout the playoffs. Finished the year strong. When you thought would we ever see him on the on the field again? And Braden did a nice job of coming back and and, and still played really well.
0: In a situation potentially life threatening. And then, yeah, battle's back. And, you know, that first-round playoff game against Central Washington, didn't get any snaps against Emporia the week before. Steps right in there, doesn't miss a beat against Central Wash, wins that game, beats Harding, and, and, and keeps the season going there. So, yeah, Braden, another very good story, too. Um, I think another great comeback story was thinking about the uh, celebrity basketball game during the uh, basketball bash this year. Joe Quinlan, heck of an athlete here at Northwest Missouri State. Absolutely shut down. I mean, the guy defending you is all over you. I remember that,
2: but I, I don't know. Is that a comeback? Is that a story? Or is it a I was just an anecdote. It's, I don't know how to say that. I think it's the, a comeback story. Okay. More of an asterisk. We'll see. The, I think the comeback will be next year if I respond, because there's a lot of people. Athletes wise, like, man, why didn't you take it to that guy all the time? I was like, <laughs> oh, I got to get other people shots. But hey, any we'll you goes. want, we'll go one on one. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll get some John Coffee and Colin McDonough tennis. Then we'll go one on one basketball. <laughs> Lay it all out there, the Bearcat Olympics. <laughs>
2: all right, guys. Anything else? That was fantastic. And the one thing we did agree on was that didn't b- brought up was the biggest hit of all time. It was Trent Covington on a crackback on a? I think it was Jordan Simmons punt return. Yeah. I don't think it'd be illegal. We talked about that. I don't think that's a legal hit that's nowadays. Uh, but
1: leading into it, yeah, if you had that hit now. Yeah. Uh, they're going to throw a flag, and they're going to wipe out in any return. It's just going to be back from that spot yeah. but at, at the time. Oh, it got everybody going. So.
0: Yep. Yeah, Oh nine 9 championship. We ended up going back after that game and went to a local establishment in Florence, and TVs are on and watching the Sports Center Top Ten. And, and we're like, Oh, we saw that live. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. People in Florence
2: didn't care.
1: No. Joe, you've seen championships in Florence, in Kansas City. Is there any spot that you enjoy the best uh, th- that you've been a part of? I think
2: Florence is always special. That's why i like, Sweet Home, Alabama. We put it on in the weight room. Like, I'll ask young guys, you know, the importance of this to Northwest. i like, no. And so I teach them a little bit of history that way. But just being that that was our first championship, um, I really enjoyed when we were in Sporting KC, winning some of those. Um, the drive-back was a lot easier, too. But I just think it's special in my heart because I still remember the post- um, party celebrations where they have like the graduation real quick and um, just those first couple years where it's you know not that it ever gets old but it's one of those that it's just a special place because that's the first time we
1: won them so when when rick and road stadium was blaring sweet home alabama beating texas a&m kingsville and mm-hmm. seeing those goalposts come down for the first time will just it's always etched in my memory and that's oh, yeah. such a huge part of bearcat football that because those A&M boys were big, strong. I mean, they, they probably had a lot more talent than than we had. But the Bearcats put everything together that day. It was 49-34. And, and just, I remember being down on the field. I didn't, didn't sprint on the field, but I just remember being down there at the end and just having everybody edging up to the edge of that field, getting ready. You <laughs> want the clock to run out. A&M had the ball. I mean, if they scored and had it an on-site kick, whatever, I just want to make sure that we didn't rush the field and be on there and get a penalty or something and then have Coach T kind of yell at the students and, and little do that. Premature. But, but that But that – it's almost indescribable that that feeling. Even though I wasn't on the team, I was covering the team just to see where it had come from. At that point, it was just you're seeing the goalpost come down. This team was on the verge, and obviously, then the next week won it. But it was truly amazing that the turnaround of Bearcat football in Rick and Broad Stadium and now Bearcat Stadium. It's it, it, it is really a it's it's a sight to see. Knowing if you were here in the early '90s, mid '90s, and seeing what this program is and what the stadium is and what Bearcat football has has become. Uh, I mean, w- without Coach T, I-, I don't know if any of this is even possible. So it- it's just, it-, it it means a lot to me. It means a lot to Bearcat fans. It means a lot to the to the area to, to Maryville, just to see what has happened to Bearcat football and and, and where it's come. It- it- it's it's remarkable. Yeah,
2: and I think the other feeling that I had, and it's just different too, is now they you can live stream everything and watch everything. Where at that time, students came out and watched the game, um, and I feel really old to say that, but. I'll say when, you know, the year we beat Grand Valley and Xavier had that 99-yard run was very much the same feel of kind of getting that monkey off our back with Grand Valley. Even though it wasn't the championship, it was kind of just a special moment because it just, like, finally. And then, yeah, I was up in the, you know, even though I was a part of that staff. Is that right? No, I was, Coach, I was still up in the stands, though. I think my back was, like, a sheet of ice that day. But it's just a different feel and just the atmosphere, you know. Bearcat Stadium was pretty amazing. So,
0: That was a tight game, I think, through halftime before Northwest ended up pulling away and getting some big plays down the stretch. But yeah, that was a rocking stadium that day, even though it was so cold in the freezing rain. And I know quite a few friends didn't come out to the game like, oh, you're, you're missing out. But then we lined up as the clock ticking down, like, all right, time to on the goalposts. And mm-hmm. I look over my shoulder like, what are you guys doing here? We're here to on the goalposts. Like, you should have earned it like the rest of us. <laughs> but... To be able to go down to Florence, and I joked earlier that the people in Florence didn't care about that, that top ten. They really did embrace the national championship and Northwest Missouri State fans overall um, very well. I know that we always enjoyed heading down for that. Um, it was cool, though, in 2015 to see 20,000 people fill up Sporting Park and um, make that a Bearcat home venue for that game. So, um, Yeah, great memories on both sides.
1: So, yeah. well, I look forward to hosting the semifinal at Bearcat Stadium again and seeing that feeling. Uh, I, I want to see a night game there, a nighttime semifinal uh, ESPN broadcast. I, j- I just want to be a part of that, and I, 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 I just want to see it again and, and get that feeling back from the Bearcat fans.
0: Can we go ahead and mark down now that uh, when that happens, you will be one of the people throwing the goalpost in Colton Pond? <laughs> You'll be with the crew? I guess it's
1: potential. It's a potential of happening.
0: All right. well, the camera following you. Man, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having us. Always. Any <laughs> Seinfeldisms you need to throw out before we leave?
1: I know we're not quite to Festivus yet, but we talked a little bit about that before we came in the room. Uh, looking forward to uh, the airing of grievances and, uh, and any, uh, any feats of strength that, that need to be proved in the next couple of days before Christmas. Yeah.
0: Joe, quick. What, uh, what president was Van Buren? What number?
1: Oh. I can't remember. Is it. F-
2: yeah, I remember the sign 8? 8. <laughs> eight. Must be 8. <laughs> I forget that. That's why I didn't do my Seinfeld research prior to this, but I know well, now.
0: Watch for the Van Buren boys. Just remember that signal. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks a lot with time. Merry Christmas, and have happy holidays.
1: Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, man.